All right, welcome everybody. It is episode 40 of Hot Take from the Kitchen. And last week I didn't do the email address. What? Nothing. You could say that. Episode 41 would have been cool because of my love of Dave Matthews and the fact that number 41 is my favorite song. But just throwing ideas out is all. All right, that's fine. Hindsight being 2020, of course. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> episode 40. And we got Matt Mashinsky back in the house. Hello, everybody. Third time. You're always welcome him with open arms. And I guess you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Hot Take from the Kitchen. And our email address is hottakefromthekitchen at gmail.com. It is H-O-T-T-A-K-E-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-K-I-T-C-H-E-N at gmail.com. And no new emails. Haven't got one in a while. Sad tears running down my face. But anyway, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna level you guys. I had a bad day and I'm really grouchy. Like I'm just not in a good place through this whole thing. You want to talk about it all? Just some days you're running uphill against the wind, and today was one of them. Right. You gotta have a bad day to have know what a good day is. And I like that. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Some days are easy to say it was hard. Like I just wanted to go home. Like. Or when I started my day, I never wanted to get out of bed. I just wanted to stay in bed. Everything was pointing to Colin sick today. And it just kept happening. Like, everything was like, and I was just like, no, the right thing to do is go to work and be a soldier, which is a great, um, for today's episode. And everything kept just spitting in my face like, you big fat turd. You, we told you you should have called in today. And this is what you get. So. It can only get better from here. No, well, yeah, I mean, it can get better, because in an hour, I'm going to go home and go to bed, so, like, and then I can start my day over, which is, like, all I want to do at this point, sure. The week can get better from here. Oh, yeah, 100%. I just want today to be over. It was that, it was that bad of a day. Yeah. Well, you're here with your two favorites, so. Yes. All right. We'll get into our hot takes, and our first one is the NFC playoffs. It's been chalk on both sides, but... It's the L.A. Rams and the New Orleans Saints in the championship game this Sunday. What did you mean, chalk? Top two seeds from each conference. I've never heard of that term before. That's a new one for me. Chalk? Yeah. I've never heard chalk. Yes. I've heard chalk in different senses of the word, like, like chalk on a board. I've never heard that. I learned something new. I'm not saying it's bad. I've just never heard that. Really? That's, yeah. It's always chalk when it comes to... The NCAA tournament, that's all I hear, is this is going to be a chalk. Is it going to be the top number one seeds in the final four? I guess there you go. Anyway. There's something new. Yeah. Get back into the NFC playoffs. Um, Cowboys game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. Yeah. And the Saints played the Eagles, right? Yes. And that was about what I thought it would be. I thought the Eagles were going to give the Saints a run for the money. If anyone thought the Saints were going to blow the Eagles out, they just no. weren't. But, I mean, we could talk about the other side here in a minute too, but this was the NFL's dream matchup on the NFC side. Yes. Like, you have the two best teams, arguably in the NFL, playing at this, you know, it's, it's best case scenario for the NFL. Yeah, 100%. Well, I think you look at the Saints and the Rams – as the old versus the young, because Jared Goff 
is going up against Drew Brees. Sean Payton's going up against Sean McVay. And I think we're just going to have to see what happens. But, but I mean, I, mean, I, I guess I'll give you that. I'm going to throw it to you. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. AFC playoffs. The championship game is the Chiefs against the Patriots. The Patriots always seem to be here. It's their eighth year in a row being the championship game. And as what you just said, this was kind of probably the NFL's ideal matchup. The NFL got what they wanted this year. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the Chiefs, which is by far the most. Probably exciting team to watch in the NFL, barring Kareem Hunt's dismissal. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I think you always have to have some like Breeze is on the other side, like you said, Matt, and you have Tom Brady on the other side. So whether either of those guys go to the Super Bowl, I mean, I guess in, the, in a dream matchup, it's probably having those two guys for the NFL because household names drive. It would. I don't know. It's really interesting. So let's let's go. Who do you got? Who's going to the Super Bowl? I got the Chiefs and the Saints. You got the Chiefs and the Saints. Yes. No. And who do you got? Patriots and Saints. So both of you don't think the Rams stand a chance? Honestly, I don't stand a chance. I just think, again, experience is going to outweigh everything. I think Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been there before. Mm -hmm. And this is not going to be really a surprise. They're not going to get all... Twitter paid to buy the glitz and the glamour of the NFC Championship game. And I think Jared Goff and Sean McVay, there's a chance that could happen. I mean, they're both young enough that it just might happen. Even with Sean McVay being a coach, he's going to get all Twitter paid by the experience. <clears throat> well, I, I think in the several years, it could think, be very dangerous for the league. I disagree with all that, almost. That's okay. You're allowed to. I mean, McVay, really, I think McVay is one of the best coaches in the league right now. And I don't think I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's gonna. If anyone's gonna have the stage, it's not gonna be Sean McVay. Goff, yes, that's a whole different argument. But I think Sean McVay will do everything he can to have that team ready. Right. Well, I think I, I'll give you that. The Sean McVay is not gonna be Twitter painted by all this because even people just on his friends list are getting NFL coaching jobs, and so. Um, we talked about a little, <clears throat> a little bit about that last week, how um, the NFL shifted to more yes. younger coaches, and whether it's good or bad, it will remain to be seen. But um, <clears throat> I got the Patriots. I think people are going to be severely disappointed in that Chiefs game. And then, um, even though it's on the road, mm-hmm. I don't think it matters. Nope. And... I still don't. I mean, if you have, if I have to choose right now, I'm thinking Rams, just because they have more weapons. But um, it's weird too when you go. Um, they are playing at home, the Saints, and I think that, that plays a big part of it too. So, well, this is the ninth straight year that the Patriots have played in the AFC Championship game. Little stat of the day for you. Yeah. I mean, that I mean that's great, but I mean, I know they got to win. Yeah, but that's why they play the game. Good observation. 
It's my Herman Edwards Air Force. I think, yeah, you're... Did you watch any sports talk today or anything sports center or listen to I, I listened to Dan Patrick this morning. Okay. It was funny to listen to how everyone talked about how the Patriots ran the ball. Obviously, I had a lot of success running the ball and almost marginalized Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing because it's really easy to not put six in the box because you have the greatest quarterback of all time going in. So we're going to drop five. We're going to drop six. Right. <clears throat> we're not going to let him hit Gronk in the flat. We're not going to let Edelman get off the line. You know, we're going to double jam him up. Oh, and look what happens. Yeah, Sonny McHale looks like a, like a, you know, a Pro Bowl running back. I'm not saying that he's not, but it's a lot easier to run when – you know, you're I, I you're you're appreciating the player. I just feel like the Chiefs are going to stack that box. They're going to put eight nine up because they're going to want to stop. It's just like they're like, oh yeah, we can't let him do that. And Tom Brady just says, okay, I'll just do eight yards at a time to Gronk it. And Gronk's going to have a big game. Mm-hmm. I just I, you see it coming, and it's I maybe mean, I'll be wrong, but I can't give you. I hope he has a big game. This but. is the first time I've really thought about either game, so it's. Purely hot take coming right off the head. So, oh boy. And then who you got in the final then? So you're not thinking the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl. No. So I mean, you got the Saints and the Chiefs. I think it's going to be the Saints. Win it all. That's a tough, tough call. But it's interesting, exciting. They're not playing in a dome, correct? The yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, it's in Atlanta. And they could. Like it's the Saints just seem to have such a unfair advantage when they're playing on turf versus like especially during the playoffs. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I mean, Chiefs too. If the Chiefs are playing in Foxborough, I don't think I think I don't know. Have you seen the opening lines yet? Uh, I I listened to Bill Simmons today, but I don't really realize. Yeah. Patriots are an underdog. I'm sure they are, especially on the road. Right. But I bet they you know, that line would swing. I guess that was my whole point is I bet that line swings if they were playing in Foxborough. Of course it would. Yeah. And then same with the same with the Saints. Like, you know, if they're I mean, not that it's much different, but they were playing in LA on turf. I bet the Saints I bet it swings to the Rams' favor. So It's gonna be an exciting week of football, I know that. Yes. <clears throat> Should be. Let's see if I can find the lines. New Orleans is a three and a half favorite, and Kansas City is a three point favorite. They're both sucker bets. Don't take them. Man, it's good. it'll be interesting to watch that line throughout the week. Yep. Um, another hot take: Gronk's the Gronk saying this is his last year. Say he's retiring after this year. Good for him. Probably should. Yeah. So my question that wasn't my hot take. My hot take is: What do you think Gronk will do next? Truthfully, yeah, make porn. Well, I'm not gonna go quite that far, <laughs> although I don't think that's out of the realm. Of that's what I get for making a hot take with this. I <laughs> think he's gonna host a MTV Real World reunion because I think that's something in his wheelhouse. <clears throat> it would not. So you both think Bronk was gonna do something within TV, not necessarily sports, but more of the entertainment side. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he became a wrestler. It would be interesting. To, I don't know how bad. No one really knows how hurt Gronk is. So I mean, wrestling doesn't seem like exactly the 
healthiest sport for him, depending on what is going on with his neck and back. So, what's the Sylvester Stallone movies the, where he gets all of his buddies and they fight things? The Expendables. It's gonna be. He's gonna be in like an Expendables five and six or something like that. That, I. That's where I really was thinking is, is that Gronk could be like Rock, like just in a lot of like really cheesy action movies and stuff like that. So, but yeah. we'll see. Right. His options are open for sure. And he's got a ton of money because he doesn't spend any of it. He's like one of the weird people that he doesn't have a lot and he. You know, it's weird when you listen to him talk about it. He's, like, all he does is live off of it. He has, like, his NFL paychecks he has never touched. He no, just he, lives he, off his sponsorship money. And, yes. Which, I mean, admittedly, it is a sizable amount, but right. it's still kind of crazy. Sure is. Yeah. All right. I guess Michigan won last night. It was 17-0, their best start in school history. I did not go to the game for those that actually listen. <clears throat> um. The people you're getting the tickets from, a miscommunication between the husband and the wife. Husband said, we got a ticket. His wife said, I gave them away. So we've been oh, promised no. we've been promised tickets to another game. So whatever. I need them to lose one or two. That's what Brad talked about last week. Yeah. It's, it'll, <laughs> I don't know. I want it to happen just so they can have some of this pressure taken off of them. Because... I'm surprised people haven't been talking about going undefeated lately since they're one of the last two. But. What you want, you're not going to get anymore, though. And what I mean by that is, I think what you want is you want them to lose so people aren't talking about them and they're kind of underdog. Michigan is no longer going to be an underdog. They're, they're I don't want them to be an underdog. I just want them to lose. Well, I understand, but you know what I mean by that. They're going to be a number one seed. They're going to be in the talk of number one seed. And now what's coming is expectation. So now if they're not a number one seed for the NCAA tournament, you know, the words like failure get thrown around now. It's an interesting. I mean, if it wasn't, if we take Duke out of the equation, I mean, is it a championship or bus season for Michigan? Those are the things that start getting. I know why you want them to lose. So these things that we're talking about don't happen, but I think they're coming now. I don't think there's a lot you can do about it. I, I would like them to lose only because I don't want them to peak at the end of January, mid February. We, we want them to peak during the tournament. And one or two losses from now until then has to hit them at least a reset button of sorts just to get back on track. Uh, I don't like that, but okay. I mean, I what you're worrying about could happen whether they stay undefeated or they lose. They could they could right. lose and go in a spiral too. I mean, and that's what Rick's kind of point was last week to Brad is. Brad wanted him to lose, but Rick's whole point was like losing isn't. I mean, you can learn some things through losing, but winning is always a good thing. Right. You know. So. Yeah. I take my comment back. Well, no, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just like it's interesting. I I, I agree. I mean, part of me wants him to lose a game too. I was happy when Duke lost. I mean, that's a great point, right? I was not upset when Duke lost that game to Gonzaga because and I All can't, you can do is learn from there. Yeah. Especially, it was a perfect game for them to lose. It was an ideal game. Like, Michigan losing on the road to Michigan State is, like, the best game they could lose. It's it's going to be against the top five team. It's going to be on the road. I want it to be against, like, Rutgers away or something like that. See, I don't – that's a bad, bad loss. 
you need a good loss because at this point you want me. I want Michigan to be a number one seed. I don't want them to have to fight through a tough bracket. So, good point. Well, my guess was Indiana coming up. You called that a couple weeks ago, and that's Indiana playing tough at home. And yeah, so we'll see. All right, any other hot takes? I did. Did you guys see Caitlin Ohashi's? <clears throat> No. Floor exercise from UCLA. I saw that this tonight. Yeah, she had a perfect, a perfect score on a floor exercise. It was incredible. I've seen a lot of talk about it, but I haven't watched the video yet. You totally should. All right, I will do that. And the other part was Jeff Allen. He's an offensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Got stuck in the snow on the way to the game. And a homeless man named Dave, they call him Homeless Dave right now, Help push him out. And he said, I just wanted to... I did say that. So what's your hot take? Do the gymnast first. She's, I mean, I know she's awesome, so like, give me some juice. Give me some. Well, <clears throat> they don't hand out perfect scores very often, and I'm really curious to see where she lines up against Olympians. And I want to know why the why the perfect score was it actually that good? Of, I mean, because I'm not a floor exercise expert by mm-hmm. any stretch, nor do I look like one. So my point is, is why the perfect score? What makes this such a perfect? Well, it was a great routine. I mean, I think for me, my hot take is is that I don't know if you read some of the stuff surrounding it, but she was she was the last person to beat Simone Biles. You know, she was on the Olympic fast track, and what the training regiment did to her destroyed her completely, mentally and physically. So she kind of went into this deep, dark place, and that right there was her coming out party. Like I've returned from this really terrible thing that happened where I went through, and it's it's kind of, and a lot of people were talking about the joy on her face. You know, because Olympians, we all know that it becomes a business when you're doing, right. when you're training at that high level. And she was talking about how, you know, training, she couldn't stay healthy because she was just pushing her body too hard. And she's healthy. They, there was a lot of weight issues involved with her. They didn't like the size of her. So there was a lot of, a lot of negativity surrounding her. So that moment for her was a really big deal. So. Well, that's exciting. Man. It is. As for pushing people out, you should always push somebody out. Be nice to people. Yeah, it's a good thing. You shouldn't, because I don't want to hear your back. But this is a Yugo or something. One of those really small cars. Well, you just pick it up and move it then. But yeah, the very first snowstorm we had like two weeks ago, I pushed somebody out. Allison was laughing at me. Allison even came and helped and pushed. So just that last little got us through and. Push the person back in the driveway. We cleaned the snow band, and it—it it was laziness on their part. They should have just shoveled the darn driveway. But <laughs> I mean, I get it. Sometimes you just like I don't want to deal with this, and I need to go where I gotta go. So, all right. Don't really have anything except hot take. You did the sports. We can talk about Michigan. Michigan State looked really good too. Michigan State is the best backcourt in college basketball right now. And as we know, guard play weighs heavily during tournament time. Right. You can see Izzo building this team for a tournament run, and it's exciting. I mean, super exciting. I think, and in a lot of ways, Michigan State is what Brad wants Michigan to be. 
like for the you know they're building kind of Michigan's all up here. It's all you're hearing about. You're not hearing a lot about state. And then term times are going to come, and they're just going to they're just going to rock and roll. They are the real deal too. And the only reason you're not hearing about them is just because Michigan's playing so well. So. Seems good. Good yeah. thing and a bad thing, but <laughs> good for Spartans. Yeah, and I haven't watched much of their games. Just a little bit of their game against Kansas when we were at Latitudes for mm-hmm. trivia, but other than that, I haven't really watched them. Henry tries that tournament. <laughs> they, I enjoy watching them because I enjoy Izzo coach teams, especially this time. You know, there's been some Izzo coach teams in the past that don't buy in. But when they buy in, like you guys did to that matchup zone defense, it's a really neat thing to watch. Yeah. And it's going to be a problem for Michigan. Brandon and I have talked about this a lot. So Simpson has to have the night he had last night against Michigan State. He cannot have an – he's got – he doesn't have to be 8 for 10, you know, but he's he's got to at least be 45%. He can, Make those open shots. Yeah, it's because that matchup zone – yeah, and those those guards are gonna be going after those boys. So, yep. but Michigan does on the side note. Michigan, um, if the big fella can still pull out that go that step that far out from the three point line, and you make that, it's gonna be amazing. That's definitely a a mismatch. We well, hit three last night. Ziski, yeah, Teski, yeah. Teski, yeah, yes, and he and Coach wants him shooting more. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what they keep saying. Yeah, just he can't shoot enough. He's like. 60% practice. So he's like, why aren't you shooting them more? So there you go. All right. I don't really have anything. I'm just going to talk about McJesus. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> There's a art museum in Israel, and I guess somebody put Ronald McDonald on the cross like he was Jesus. So now the Christians in Israel are all in an uproar over it. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <clears throat> Not many places in the world where they would, I mean, most, you know, Christians wouldn't be very happy about that, no. but Israel isn't the, I, if I can think of like a top 10 place, or they're in the top 10, probably top five of, I probably wouldn't want to do this, so, yeah. Well, I guess somebody felt like it was a good idea, but it was just weird, because I just saw the headline and clicked on it on Bing and just I didn't read the article it was just weird seeing Arnold McDonald on a cross alright right. I don't know if it was supposed to be the death of McDonald's or that's why I don't understand art you didn't cook on it and research it at all no it's supposed to be hot takes so I'm guessing it was supposed to be the death of McDonald's I was thinking it probably more of a political statement toward American culture over into the Middle East, but I mean, it could be. I don't know that. <clears throat> so, Matt doesn't want to talk. So. No, I'm good. All right. I'm just, I'm just listening. All right. There's nothing wrong with that. I guess we'll take a break and get back to talk about Sopranos. Oh, boy. Did you stop it yet? No. Why don't you do the trivia question? Mm, all right. <clears throat> I guess we'll do last week's repeat it and give the answer, maybe. Oh, crap. What am I doing here? 
All right, last week's question was, what Northeast Michigan community was known as the Moonshine Center during Prohibition due to the high quality shine they produced? Do you know? Any guesses? My first guess was Posen. I'm gonna guess Millersburg or Hawks. It was Posen. Dang it. Because it was the AK Little Poland, and Posen farmers were frequently raided by law enforcement, but it did not hinder their skilled hobby. Posen was known as a moonshiner. Awesome. All right. And this week's question is, the earliest known Native American burial grounds in the area were located on the bank of the Thunder Bay River in the city of Alpena, where what business is located today? Surprise, this place hasn't burned down or something. So, while the episode is available on Anchor for our normal listeners, I'm going to post last week's episode tonight. And then, like, Wednesday or Thursday, I'll post this episode. So there's going to be a gap in between there. But then we'll be back on track. So um, if you're like, well, what the heck, you might have to do a little research this week. Or, you know, a little clicking around to figure out if all of a sudden, I'm guessing that your episode's probably going to usurp Rick's just because. <laughs> so, but whatever. All right. All right. Um, by this time we release this, the Fresh Takes video contest will be over. And I have a sizable lead. You do. A, a big enough lead that I'm <laughs> going to thank everybody for sharing so much. And I'm not saying I'm going to win. I'm just saying that over the next three days, or two days, because I only got to tomorrow and then Wednesday, I appreciate everyone supporting me. That's all I want to say. Whether I win or not. But um, it's cool stuff. So, and um, thanks, Ann Gentry's words, and Ann and, Je- Ann and Jeff are really the stars of the video. Um, if you watch all the videos with the sound off, they all kind of look the same, but when you turn them on, it's not even close. It, it all comes together. Yeah, it Stop really... Stop being humble and take some credit. Well, I mean, no, I mean, really, the other, the, the one guy's video is amazing. In fact, a lot of the stuff he does, it's, like I said, the same stuff as mine. I mean, he didn't feature, feature people, but... Um, of course, that was the other thing, I think. Is, and he, he's from Alpena, but he actually doesn't live in Alpena. So, um, he, but his family's from here, and he does a lot of cool stuff. So, he's a videographer down in the GR area. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that. So, why don't you tell everyone what today's episode is? Uh, today, we are going to break down The Sopranos. It was the 20th anniversary of the premiere last Thursday. So, yeah, so we're all big Sopranos fans, so we thought we'd bring in Matt and break it down. Just enjoy ourselves. To me, it's the greatest TV show of all time. I know you don't feel that way, but... Um, well, it's a close second. Yeah, I mean, but I understand. <laughs> the, what you feel is the number one. Most people, when they say it's not Sopranos, says that. So I mean, What is your number one? The Wire. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. But it, Sopranos. A lot of people like The Wire. I mean, mm-hmm. just as much as The Sopranos. So, so like, yeah, I, I did. But does The Wire have the cultural movement? I mean, it sewed itself. Sopranos. It felt like sewed itself in the fabric of society for such a long time. I mean, we're still talking about it twenty years later. Just because it wasn't as popular commercially doesn't mean it's not as good, though. 
I'm not saying it's yeah. not good. Yeah. I mean, you're right, but I think there was a lot of things with that, and I'm gonna. I'll just call it what it is. There's a certain amount of cultural bias. Oh, that was a really good way of saying that with the wire. So right. It doesn't appeal to everyone. I mean, you got to get through the first two seasons, really, before it really took off. Because I have a book, so spoken history of it. And you just, yeah. It was an amazing book. I really enjoyed it. So you said it takes two seasons to really like I mean, The Wire? I, I love The Wire from the first episode, but <coughs> two seasons, you they're kind of slow and they don't really... Hit their stride until the third season. Which is when, did, when, when do you say Sopranos hit their stride? Probably season one. But it, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking. I'm just, I'm oh, curious. It, the Sopranos hit their stride right away. But. What happened with the Wire is that they spent two seasons for you to really get to know these characters, and then they kind of put them through the ringer after that a little bit. Whereas, like. The Sopranos, you more were dropped right into the fishbowl, you know, and you're just kind of like, what is, the heck is yeah. going on? Which we'll talk about here in a second. So, yeah. I mean, but, the Wire didn't even know if they were going to have a next season. It was just a season-to-season thing. Because HBO didn't know if they wanted to bring it back because it didn't have the viewers. I mean, the Wire didn't really get a true following until everything was over with and it was out on disc. Oh, really? binge, yes. Because right. I watched that whole freaking season in a week. <laughs> I watched the whole series in a week because I just couldn't stop watching. Steve and I watched an entire Sopranos series season in one night. It was, well, it's nothing I'm proud about. It was like a day and a half. <laughs> I mean, we stayed through the night, though. That's what was important. It like, yeah. started during the day. We got it when it bought it. We bought it. Watched all day. Stayed up all night. And then it carried through. So... In our defense, though, The Sopranos is only 13 episodes at one hour's apiece, so... Right. You know, all you know, they need to be up for 13 hours, so... It was so good. Yeah. So good. Um, 21 Emmy nominations total, five Golden Globes for The Sopranos. So if you're not, like, for the average person, and maybe maybe you're listening to this and you haven't really ever watched The Sopranos, which I'll try to... It'll be hard for the three of us to sometimes for lack of a better term, dumb it down for those who haven't watched it. So I'll try to fill things in to give a little better backstory as we go throughout. Um, the main actor of the, it's about Tony Soprano, who is a gangster slash... Um, it's a mobster. Mobster, father, family, family man. Um, and it's just kind of about him and his daily life of trying to deal with this whole mess that he has been placed upon him. Um, James Gallardofini, who was Tony Soprano, yep. um, won two Oscars, I believe, or sorry, two Emmys for his role of Tony Soprano. And Screen Actors Guild, yeah. and Golden Globe. As did his wife, who was um, Edie Falco. Edie Falco. Um, <clears throat> and then multiple characters also won supporting <clears throat> actors, Emmys. And then Soprano was in 2004, <clears throat> won the Emmy for Best Outstanding. TV series? Yes. Which was the first time a cable network TV series ever won an Emmy. And then and again, they did it in 2007. So the special thing about the 2007 award was the first time since 1977 somebody has won an Emmy where the show wasn't on TV anymore. 
So by then, the show was all over. It was all wrapped up. And they still won it, despite everything. So that's kind of like all some of the background noise, if you want to the fluff. Um, I thought we would kind of talk about... I thought we'd do this. One of my favorite episodes. I know we're going to do our top five characters, right? So I thought we could kind of loosely talk about our favorite episode. I thought I would go with first because it would help. One of my favorite episodes is the first episode. So um, I think it's one of the best first episodes in TV because just like House of Cards, you're getting dropped into something and all of a sudden you have to kind of figure out your way of what's going on. And... um, all the way from like the music chosen, Tony's chasing the guy in his Tahoe, and he's, and he's listening. I think it's the Wanderer or something like that, and he's trying to, you know, um, the whole thing. You realize um, it's just kind of nuts. So it's, it's insane. The I, you know, mine. I I don't want to say Pine Barrens because I think Pine Barrens is so many people's favorites. So I try to think outside the box. I really like the the I Dream of Jeannie Cusimano episode. Mm-hmm. After the two guys tried to take out Tony, one shot the other one on accident, and Tony was able to fend off the guy, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, so I read a fun fact in season one when that assassination plot takes place. Um, Tony was supposed to come back and kill his mom. And she, at that time, was diagnosed with cancer. The actress who played his mother. Nancy Marchant. Which we know. Which we know what happened later on. But, so David Chase went up to her and said, what can I do? And she said, honestly, keep me working. So instead of killing her off, he kept her alive. All the way until she couldn't perform anymore. So, one of the most controversial moments in Sopranos history is the fact that they CGI'd her in season three. Really bad CGI. I think that's why everyone had such a problem with it. So, got to do what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, it was only for the one episode, or yeah, one scene or something. Yeah, it was just the living room when he came in, whatever. So, and her uh, family signed off on that, though. Yes, David Chase went to them and said, "Can we do this? Here's our idea." Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? episodes things pine barons is like probably my favorite episode really i mean i i was i was doing a little throughout the day uh pine barons college which a lot of people college is right up there for a lot of people wilson was sort of room college for me last week because they were talking about it because he had a guy on both the books the soprano sessions that i just bought and he was he didn't like the scenes with Carmela and the priest. And it just, he's like, if you take out all the college visit, there's probably a third of the show, mm-hmm. the episode. The rest was just Carmela and the priest talking, and it just bore him. He's like, oh, thanks a lot, Bill Simmons. But. I actually think that was brilliant, though, because it was that boring. What's going on with Tony at that time is super intense, right? So, I mean, he's finding somebody that, you know, narked his family, his, yeah. his other family out. And, you know, meanwhile, he's trying to do a college with his daughter while still handling the side business all of a sudden. It's, it's you know, it does have a lot of time because he doesn't want he's going to see him next, all this other stuff. And then you go, it's a contrast. Then here's Carmelo with a the priest. They're drinking wine. 
It's just kind of slow. You're a lot of talking, very boring, oh. and then it's a great contrast. Though I, well, this point was the priest was just he didn't like the priest. Well, I mean, yeah, you can understand that. I don't like the priest either, but that was an integral part because then it just showed the vulnerability of Carmela in later episodes when Jackie April's wife, Rosalie April, is handing him Jackie's watch, and and. Uh, Carmela sees that, and she was going to bring him ZD or whatever, and dumps his thing in the garbage and walks off. And it shows the jealousy and the vulnerability that she had going on. Yeah. Such a toxic marriage. Um, but when they whack Big Pussy. That's it. One of my fun other, House. Fun House is it in top five also. Food poisoning. If he doesn't get food poisoning, I don't know if that happens. I don't know if he's able to put it together in that fashion without the food poisoning. Uh, I think he figures it out. But I love the whole, you know, the talking of fish, you know, the whole third world thing, which they keep doing with Archer right now. I don't know if you have a Archer, but they're like absolutely crazy with that right now. Um, and then Made in America, which is the last episode. And then my final other episode I really liked a lot was long term parking. Yes, which ran and getting. Yes, yeah. which is like a tie. I had like a, I kind of made up. I had fun house and long term parking tied. Which yes, and it's not just Adriana being removed from the family, but it's kind of also Christopher's downward spiral. Like the beginning of him just. You mean after even sitting on the dog and killing the dog and being hooked on heroin and screwing up the Italy trip? And, I mean, after that downward spiral? <laughs> Besides all that, you still have to understand that Tony loves Christopher. It, right. I, and I, and we could talk about that. I think Tony sees a lot of himself in Christopher. And maybe not so much himself, but what he wanted someone to be for him that he didn't get with his dad. Also, I think he looks at it that my son is clearly not going to be built for this. Yes. And he and that's why he loves Christopher so much, because Christopher's a son that he never got. Yeah. Um, the AJ dynamic, which is Tony's son, um, is interesting. Like, um, But I think it plays today because of the sense of entitlement, the... the I don't AJ, think I think AJ, AJ would apply now. I don't think AJ was entitled. AJ wasn't a murderer. AJ wasn't a gangster, and you can't be mad. AJ at him for had that. trouble keeping a job. Well, AJ had trouble keeping normal friends. Yeah, some some of that is true. I do agree, but some of that stuff's normal. A lot of a lot of people have trouble keeping friends. It had nothing to be if you're entitled one or not. I, don't know, I think it, it fits the mold. My my personal take is that it fits the mold of entitlement, but I get it. I mean, I can see why you say that. I mean, I just think that um, those of you who haven't necessarily watched Sopranos, so Tony has a son, and at the time he starts, he's probably like eight or nine when the season starts, and then he moves to. Well, he's probably more like ten or twelve, yeah, because he ends up being a past post graduation when the series ends, right. He's no longer in high school, so um, he goes through a lot. You know, he's ignorant to the fact that what his dad is, yeah. and he started to kind of learns the whole thing of what his dad is the well, hard way. The line when when all the indictments are being handed down, and they're all in the living room watching TV, 
And it says, Tony says to the family, look at Uncle Junior, who at the time was the pseudo-boss of the family. Look at how they're treating a hard-working American right now. When Tony says that, and Carmella rolls her eyes, and uh, what's the daughter's name again? Metal. Metal rolls her eyes, and AJ's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that just... The little nuances of the show, you know, you would, you brought up music earlier. Music is a very big part of this, this mm -hmm. series. Hundred percent. The certain songs they they play, uh, but that that one line really, I've always stuck with that one. I really like that one. What you got, Brad? Well, favorite episode was Long Term Partner. Yeah, I wasn't the biggest Adriana fan. She's kind of annoying. Christopher, Christopher. I just, I like seeing her get... How did she shot. say it? Well, it was a lot better than my Christopher. <laughs> <clears throat> I, so, my Adriana research brief dive, she was in the first episode as a hostess. That's her, or as a waitress, that's her credit, at the credit scene. So she's actually in the first episode, but she's not actually Adriana. Right. So, um, I didn't know that until today. and um, I didn't know that either. Yeah. In then, long, I'm sorry. In long-term parking, did you think she was going to get offed? Because when, when they called, they set it up that something happened to Christopher. And we're going to the hospital. Let's go. 100%. And did you think that she was she was going to go or was something had wrong with Christopher? No, 100%. She was. Yes. I remember thinking, because it's hard to try to remember the first time when you watch it, because I've got so many different filters. I've gone through that now. Mm -hmm. At first, I thought, holy cow, there's something on Christopher. And then as soon as they didn't take that off ramp, and she says, the hospital's just up the road, that's when I knew. Because you notice that in that scene, it's, it's the Pine Barrens. Yeah. Well, what they wanted you to do, to best as they could, they wanted you to put you and Andrew on the shoes. They wanted you to be concerned about Christopher Oh my gosh, what's wrong with them? And then they wanted you to kind of find out the way she found out. You wanted to, they wanted you to feel like she felt like, oh my gosh, like, because I mean, Adriana wasn't ignorant to what what their life was and what they did. Right. So at that point, when she's like, you know, he's like, oh no, we just gotta go get just up here. We'll be, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh no, well it's just a little bit further, and you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, at that point, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> So, just be aware when somebody asks you to go live somewhere with them. Yeah. Make um, sure you go there. <laughs> so, I think we have not even talked a lot about, like, we've done a poor job of talking about the show. So, um, I think, you know, I guess maybe we should kind of do this in a rewatchable format. So, one of the things I think aged well for The Sopranos has been Tony's self-help. So, like, I think that's probably the biggest thing we have got to talk about is that... Um, so Tony, who was the head of this family, sees a shrink. And, of course, at that time, especially in his day and age, seeing any type of mental weakness um, terrified him that it would ever get out. For a while, at least. And um, I think, overall, I think that's probably been one of the things that's aged best of the show, is because mental health now has become even more prevalent in our society. Oh, absolutely. I, I think part, you know, Lorraine Bracco plays Dr. Jennifer Melfi. Mm -hmm. You know, most people older 
older than us even will remember her from Goodfellas. Uh, Goodfellas, playing Ray Liotta's wife, Henry Hill's wife. That was the one thing that was interesting is 28 people from Goodfellas were in Sopranos. I read today. And I also said that she was originally cast to be Carmela. And I'm glad she wasn't. Yeah, but she herself requested that she didn't want to do it because she felt that playing Dr. Melfi would have been a bigger challenge for her. So, God bless I, the challenge. Two people that I also heard today that were up for um, Tony Soprano, Stephen Zant. Mm-hmm. That was who David Chase wanted to be, Tony Soprano, believe it or not. But no one wanted a, a guy that's never acted before to thrust him in such a prominent role. And then the studio wanted Ray Liotta. Casting on the show is amazing. With what they ended up with was just... You know, the casting director was Georgian Wonkin, who is Christopher Walken's wife. She knows how to put together a cast. It was unreal. I mean, Ray Liotta would have been probably okay. I mean... It would have been a totally different show if it would have been Ray Oh, of course. In the first episode of Sopranos, Tony, he's having that barbecue in the backyard, and he's wearing shorts. And it was the one and only time he ever wore shorts in the the show. If it wasn't on a boat or a swim scene. Because a member of the New York mob, ex-current, whatever happened, their... their executive help with the show told him mobsters don't wear shorts at cookouts. In fact, don't wear shorts again unless you're near water. <laughs> okay. And so, and, that, and I, I read that today as well. <laughs> Not at work, but I... Um, your tangent there absolutely befuddled me. That was such a random fact that I blanked out. It's amazing. It's my life. I can't help it. Yeah. Yeah. What you got, Brad? Anything? I don't know. I think the whole show is aged well, but that's just me. So we could pivot toward the end then. So probably one of the most controversial endings you could probably make ever in TV. So those of you, I guess, spoiler alert, who cares, I guess, at this point. Yes, they haven't watched it yet. Yeah, so um, the s- series ends by, we it just fades to black. It just cuts out, and we don't know what happened. Um, and <clears throat> it's kind of set up that way. Um, some people think Tony dies. It's very, there's a very big suspense buildup toward it feels there's a lot of shifty characters and there's a lot of different scenes going on where you're made to feel with some anxiety about the safety of the family. That's all. They're all sitting there in a diner. Tony, his wife, his daughter, and his son. And um, it just stops. Fade. So most, so I, I read today that Christopher, Michael Imperioli, believes that he, he's dead. In real life, or no, just uh, that Tony Soprano got shot there. Really? Yep. By who did he? Was it the members only guy? The members only jacket? Guy? No, he just believed that you know Tony Soprano was murdered right then and there. 
so I thought two things today. The first thing I thought was is that I found a lot of material about this prequel that's supposed to come out, um, which I thought was interesting. I forgot the Saints of Newark or something like that. Yep. And then the other thing I thought when I read that was, well, of course he thinks that because he's hoping that they'll do a sequel with, with it without you know without James Gandolfini, because you still could do, you know, The Sopranos was originally written as a movie, and that's the whole time David Chase kept pushing the pilot he wanted to do the movie and it just kept well then well let's just green light it for 13 episodes you could do a tv show he was like oh all right so um i remember well so i talked about but we'll come back to we'll finish this part up so why would michael imperioli care if they do a sequel well i mean he is dead technically but it just is interesting you know to think that um i think you still could write a sequel to the show with, with Tony Soprano being dead. Obviously, James Gallifini has passed away, so it's almost impossible to do a sequel if he's still alive. So. Right. Well, I mean, Silvio Dante, Steve Van Zandt's character's on life support. Pauly was AWOL. Bobby is dead. Bobby Bacalieri is dead. Janice is God knows where. Who cares? I know. So, <clears throat> I think it's important. So the pri- the previous people that you named were all people that worked under Tony, except for Janice, who was his sister. Right. So, um, I think that the other, which brings up the other point. I was going to talk about the women in Tony's life: his mom and his sister. <laughs> so for me, the greatest antagonist in Tony's life was his sister. I wrestled with that. So there was not one person, I think, that caused him more stress or problems throughout the entire show than that his sister. I mean, and you have to really watch it to understand what I'm saying, but it was nuts. Uh, if you're going to go that route, I would I would consider his mother. His mother's the whole reason he's in therapy. Yeah. <clears throat> Pick number two for me was his mother. He needed to spend more time with his other sister. Yeah, because <laughs> those two women just—they were bad for him. So no wonder he was seeing a shrink and having anxiety attacks. You know, they're in the fact of running a mob family. Yeah, just too much stress in his life. He just stressful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was the final thing I wanted to talk about. More of his mother than his sister. I mean, his sister to me was the all-time greatest antagonist for Tony. But with that being said. He had a lot of skeletons, or a lot of people out to get him, so um, the, the list is long and plentiful. So I mean, his mom and uncle put a hit out on him, so it's just... It's unreal. See, that's why it plays to me. You could, you could see it first time tonight after listening to this podcast, and you, you would fall head over heels in love with it from the word go, and you'd start to cuss more. You'd name, you'd <clears throat> name vehicles after the women of Sopranos. And uh, I mean, out House of Cards still is my favorite start of any TV show, but I mean, it, Tony the Sopranos is right up there too. It's right. like crazy. So, well, my antagonist, because I I thought long and hard about this. <clears throat> I had to go with Ralphie Cifaretto. <laughs> the damage that he caused. Uh, he caused a split with New York. Uh, he 
He took away the Newark building project and gave it to New York. He gave, he, he beat up the stripper. He burnt the horse down, the barn down with Tony's beloved horse. Uh, and Tony ended up killing him with his bare hands. Anything else you want to talk or want add, Brad? Your favorite antagonist? I don't know if he was my favorite, but Phil Leotardo. I hated Phil. <laughs> I disliked him enough that I didn't even want to bring him up. But, I mean, like, he was a great character for the show, and he was yes, a great antagonist for Tony. So, um, only other thing I want to bring up are the ducks. So, outside of that, I'm good. So, Tony had a set of pet ducks. He fed them, and I loved them, and then when they flew away, he cried. You know, my dad had ducks that similar situation at his place in Traverse City. He watched these ducks grow old, and then he left, and my dad's not in the mob. But, uh, you know, he had a slight attachment to the ducks as well, so. Ducks are good. All right. So we'll wrap it up. We'll come back. We'll do our top five characters from the show. Yep. All right. Started off, and my number five is Silvio. I've always loved Silvio. He's my favorite character. He's your favorite character, but he's number five? It's the top five. I thought we were going with greatest. Well, I mean, I guess greatest, very. I'm just going to do top five favorite characters, so. Yeah, but it's okay. Well, fine. I can do that. Okay. <laughs> Since you already know my number one. But... Well, I mean, because greatest, it's, I mean, 20 is number one, right? So, like. Well, obviously not to me. Yeah. Not to me either. It's probably have hard to have the show without. All right. Well, my number five favorite character is Hesh. That's my number five. Mine too. Dang it. <laughs> All right. Hesh was somebody who really didn't fit in, but he fit in. He was a Jew. And just, it was weird, but he was a great character. Well, Hesh was a loan shark, and then he was actually under, he was actually Tony's dad's advisement, so that's why Tony always would go to Hesh for advice, but the problem with Hesh is that he was Jewish, so therefore he could never be a made man. Right. So. I also think his character, Tony gravitated to him. It was almost a father-son situation with Tony and Hesh. My favorite part of what Hesh was when Tony took that loan out to help repay his gambling debts, and then Tony didn't like all the vig that Hesh was charging him. And then, of course, uh, as you go on further, I mean, that all right, that's a good, kind of resolved. Yep. So. All right, since he was number five on all our lists, I'll go with number four, and that was Johnny Sacks. Good. Not my number four. My number four. <laughs> really? Yes. Did we just become best friends? I think we did. <laughs> I think Johnny Sack, he was a little snake in the grass. He was also a good guy. He was a terrible guy. And I just I just liked the character all around. Uh, even in his death. I'm guessing Johnny Sack is probably, the out of all the characters, that probably mirrored Tony the best. Yes. You know, I mean, like, he had a lot of the same problems and did a lot of the same things and struggles that Tony, I don't know, he had... The mom issue, but um, he definitely had. You never know. He definitely had family issues though that he would have to deal with too, like 
So my number four then for you guys, it's Artie. Good choice. So, I, Artie, I thought was a great character because you're in this world of like, you end up getting absorbed some time with this mobster world. And Artie was kind of like not in the mob for the most part. So, like, he was the counterbalance of reality, like the touch point of reality to this TV show. And um, I think it showed when he showed up to shoot Tony with a, a deer rifle. <laughs> I mean, whether it was. And trying to kill Tony. Um, well, he did burn his restaurant down. Yeah. He had I mean, a reason. Yeah. he. Or like I said, when he lost his restaurant. Of course, he didn't know at the time why he lost his restaurant. And then um, my favorite episode, I don't know the name of it, but it's when um, the power's out. And then Artie opens the door, or opens his restaurant up, to, and they all come on. And the family comes in and has dinner, you know, by candlelight. I was reading about that today, and that that episode. There's the two families. It's Tony's two families in the restaurant. He's got his, you know, his internal, his life family, and then he's got the mob family because everybody's sitting there. All the guys, Silvio and Paulie and Christopher, are doing their thing on their own there. With and then Tony walks in with with his his blood family. Well, I guess they're both blood families in the end, but. Uh, yeah, that's that's an excellent that's a good point, excellent point. So Artie was number four. Yeah, your number four is Johnny Sack. All right, number three is Polly Walnuts. Just it was sort of like the comic relief of the family. He didn't really mean to be, but he was. Polly guy, your dad kind of reminds me of Polly. <laughs> It's the kind of... If I we could just get him to frost yeah. him, It's the facial expressions, more like mm, those things, so... I did, I, I did not have Paulie. He is on my list. He's in the top three. Uh, he's not my number three, though. Oh, good. Wow. I don't have Paulie or anything. Else. I only have one of Tony's henchmen in my top three. But my number three is Adriana. So... I liked Adriana... Again, I liked characters that contrasted Tony, and um, you'll get that's a Adrian is a teaser to my number two. So like, um, I thought, you know, she was ignorant. She was in. She knew what they did, but she was ignorant a lot to the ways. So she was learning as she went. Like. Who you can talk to, who you can't talk to, what you can do, what you can't do. Am I allowed to do this? I'm not. In a lot of ways, we we were learning that too. Like, oh, okay, you you can't talk about this. You, you know, when like when Christopher wanted to be a Hollywood writer, and he's essentially at one point telling secrets about what they do. Not so. And Tony's like, what are you freaking nuts? You know, and mm -hmm. um, so yeah. That's my number three. My number three is Adriana's antagonist, Christopher. Uh, for many, many, many reasons. He's my, my favorite, or my number three, I should say. Uh, his little, his dip of his toes into the recovery world, albeit very strange and clearly didn't work. But that whole, that whole trying to stay clean part within that family... Uh, I got a kick out of it. It was perfect, really. Right. Um, it was 
broken out on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, he obviously did not. I mean, those of you know, Christopher did not follow a recovery program very well. But he used it as a crutch. And so many excuses with Tony he was making. Like, I can't do this. I'm trying to be a new recovery. You know. Um, So, I'll save time. Christopher's my number two. So, um, Adriana and Christopher, again, I think were absolutely hilarious to me in that show. Just because, I guess, maybe... Christopher was just hustling, you know. He wanted to be more than he was in that family. He was always trying to find a way to move up in Tony's eyes and try to be a made man and um, all the things that went along with that. So, I, I don't know. My, I know it's really dark, but when he goes to sit down and he kills the dog, and he sits on the dog and kills the dog and doesn't realize that he's so jacked up, uh, I thought it was funny and sad, all wrapped up into one. Uh, but it showed, you know, when, you know, in uh, long-term <clears throat> parking, it showed where his true lo- Christopher's loyalty lied, was within the family. Well, I mean, he was mad, but he wasn't mad at Tony. Right. He was mad at Adriana for screwing up. Right. More than anything else. Because he was like, we have no choice but to do this. You're the one that did this. Like, and he, and he was absolutely distraught. Nothing upset him more. You know, it broke his heart more. But it was the fact that we don't have many rules, but this is one of them. And you broke Right. broke the card on that. <clears throat> All right. I have one question. Are yes. interventions really like Christopher's? What's that? Are interventions really like Christopher's? They can be. Because that was my favorite moment from the whole series. It's Christopher's intervention. That was one of my favorite moments as well. I, I, mostly for Silvio. Like, oh, see, and that's kind of how I was like with... My favorite Silvio scene is when Tony tells him he's in therapy. Like he's been going to see a shrink. And so he's like, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. What are you going to do? <laughs> Once they're out, they pull me back in. All right. So you're number two. My number two is Tony. Harder show. It's hard. I like it. My number two is Tony as well. Oh, my God. I was wrong with both of you, but I respect it. I mean, I now I want to know who your number one is, which is interesting. Well, you know who my number one is. Yeah. So... So really want, hash it out here. I really want I really want one of you guys number one to be Furio I'm not going to lie <laughs> no. But, um. <laughs> no Furio did not make my list although an excellent character but uh, he did not make my list yeah. so mine's number one is Tony since you guys brought up Al um, he makes the whole show go and um in the, the deep dive of Sopranos, I was quickly trying to bounce around today. Um, at one point, David Chase wrote Tony to be a gentleman, like kind of almost like a pacifist. And he was really and at one scene when Tony when Tony was talking to Christopher about writing the Hollywood scenes, and then Tony picks Christopher up and he slams him against the wall and he's yelling at him and he's in his face. Um, the, totally unscripted. Right. That was totally James Galdafini just taking it. And when it was done, Chase goes, well, of course Tony Soprano is this way. Of course he's a man that has to be 
big and just this big bear and you know but at the same time take his daughter on her college trip visits and you know all the other different things and cheer son on playing football for three games um uh, for some reason it's kind of lame but i loved all i don't know if there was a bad one in there i almost loved every soprano's character hospital visit i always loved it when somebody was in the hospital and it would always bring like <laughs> like plates of lasagna like uncooked yet and like you know and right. just like um and they all everybody would always Tony always grab the guy by the face and then kind of pat him on the head even if he had like right. a head injury and just um yeah so Tony to me is just my favorite character it's one of my favorite television characters of all time oh yeah I can't even I mean Tony Archer um, Barney Stinson. Really was Archer. <laughs> Archer, to me, <laughs> I'm so glad. Archer episode here? Say what? Do we have to do an Archer episode? Uh, my, my problem with Archer is, is I haven't seen the newest season. Either of, I tried to watch it on demand, but yeah, they, they hide it. Me. Yeah, and um, so I haven't seen anything of the new season yet, and I don't think I've seen the past season because they locked that out. You know, like how they have this one locked out. That one was locked out, I and mean, normally they re- released the old one when the new one comes out. But it's like they're like, oh, okay, we're just not going to do that. We'll just give you the new one. So I'm like two seasons behind, and um, oh my god, you ever watched Archer? Yeah, a little bit. That's Alex's favorite show. It should be everybody's favorite show. We'll get there. When that M for Mancy is got to be the I. <laughs> Laughed. I, I'm pretty sure I wet myself. Well, there was a, when I started watching Archer, it was something that we, I just started watching to go to bed to. And I'm sitting there and I watched that. And I laughed. Just go to bed, Archer. I was laughing so hard, I woke Allison up. And she goes, What are you watching? So I rewound it and she watched it. And then one of the rare times of something that I found funny, she was like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. So then she's laughing. So we're both just laughing our asses off at it. M for Mancy, and just like, oh my god, it's just so brilliant. Who's your number two? Number two, Christopher. Oh, that's right. You guys have said so. You've spoiled my number one and two, which is okay though, because I mean it's all right. Yeah, so I went Tony number one, Christopher number two, Adriana number three, and to me they were a package deal. Sure. So that's why they did it. Um, Hesh was five, and then of course number four was, uh, oh my god. Blah, blah, blah. That's how bad my brain is. I can't even think of who number four was. Oh, it's Artie. Artie. Artie Luko. Yeah. So you're, you're number one, Brad. Silvio. That's hilarious. I just love Silvio, but my favorite moment with Silvio was at the intervention. He's talking to Christopher. He's like, Christopher came into the bada being a strip club. I saw your head in the toilet. Your hair was touching the water. Gross. That was all he said. He was always... He would say the most random lines. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and they were always just, like, perfect, so... A little known... Probably not little known, but... He's a guitarist for... Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band. Yeah, like crazy. In real life, yes. It's amazing. It is. It's a talented guy. 
You really have Pauly as your number one favorite. My candidate. number one is Pauly Gaultieri. Well, that's amazing because when I was with Matt's son Saturday, Matt's son was wearing a tracksuit or a track jacket, and I go, I was like, "Oh, hey, Owen, how you doing?" And he's like, "Pretty good." I go, "You know what your your jacket reminds me of?" He goes, "What?" I go, "It reminds me of Matt's friend Pauly." He goes, really? Who's Polly? I go, well, when you say, when you see your dad tonight, say, Steve says my jacket reminds me, is, is, I have a jacket like Polly. And then, um, what I really wanted you to do then is call me up mad and said, why do you think I have, my kid has a jacket like Polly Stosik? So, and then, but obviously then I wanted to explain <laughs> oh, to you that I was talking about Polly So, and I don't, that's not a, Polly Stosik is in our lives enough that, you know, I mean, that's why. You're a living legend. Yes. So, 100%. I like Paulie. I just nothing I can do about it. I thought about Tony as one, but truth be told, I gravitated more towards Paulie as a character. His dumb luck loyalty to Tony <clears throat> is what really drew me in. Uh Just the way he, he approached everything, uh, the OCD, the uh, the wings in his hair, the uh, the Cadillac that was stolen by the Russian that we all know was not dead. That Pine Barrens episode, I mean, Pauly made, Pauly Christopher made that Pine Barrens episode. Well, of course he did. Yeah. yeah 100%. He's an interior decorator or something. Uh, yeah, I, I just... Paulie was one of the, I think, one of the great characters in TV history, like you were saying uh, about uh, uh, Artie Bucco. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think that he was a calming force. Even, I, I think it was almost like a yin and a yang for Tony. Yeah. Because he would drive him absolutely insane. But when Tony really needed something, he leaned on Paulie. And I, I thought that was another really good thing. It was between Silvio and Polly both, Tony knew he had really two loyal people. I yeah. mean, he might even, and for rightful reasons, he didn't even trust Christopher at times. No. He could have trusted his family. I mean, no. his sister and his mom. He trust an uncle, and an uncle, an uncle Junior, you know, so um, it's just, yeah, so... That's kind of our Sopranos episode. I thought with the anniversary, it was a perfect time to talk about it because honestly, maybe you people, we don't talk about it much at the pod. So really we've had 39 episodes and we've mentioned Sopranos like twice on here. But for those of you, obviously you can tell Sopranos is a really big part of our lives. You have cookbooks with the Sopranos. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah so like um, if you didn't know this about us, now you do. I mean, we're huge Sopranos fans. My mom, the last episode, I watched at my mom's house, my mom and dad's house, and she made an Italian dinner, and it was to die for, and then we all thought the TV broke for 10 seconds. Everybody did, because we watched it at your apartment, me, Steve Allison, and Tom Goujon. Unreal. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. Fade to black. I still... Creatively, it's genius. If your intention was to create something that people were going to be still talking about decade after it's over with, then job well done. It To bring it up for me is like nails on a chalkboard. 
Uh, also, I can't look at Don't Stop Believing, or I can't hear it, without thinking of Fade to Black. 100%. And that, that's why I love this song. I mean, that song resurged for me because of that. Well, sure. Yeah. Well, no, a lot of people like it because they're Revenants fans. Yeah, well... I'm just being honest. I know, know I mean... That's great, but... Yeah. It, it came back because of Sopranos, not the Red Wings. Sure. So... Supposedly this book, David Chase gives a, an explanation of why he did it, not what happened, but gives you clarity of why he did what he did. Is that a good book? Did Bill like it? Did he read it? And... I don't think they... I guess you could read it and let me know whether it's worth my time. I told you I was going to pass it around. Yeah. Dibs. It's on pod now. I get a second. That's fine. I don't know if I want to... only way I read some of that is if it's good. Also, breakdown of every episode. Sometimes, though, the problem with something like that, it may even be all right and, like, factual, but sometimes you don't want to know things because it ruins them. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, man, I didn't know that. What don't you want to know that's unanswered from Sopranos? I really don't want to know if he's died, dead or not. It won't tell you. And I know that it won't tell me that. Um, I like the idea that they could write a sequel. I keep hoping for a movie. And in my mind, Tony's dead. Even though I don't want him to be. He's dead. Meadow takes over the family. No, see. Who's going to take over? You, AJ's not going to do it. We both know that. AJ cannot do it. Well, why does it have to be Tony's blood family? Somebody within there. Why couldn't Pauly take it over? Furio's coming back from Italy. Furio could come back from Italy. I don't know. Off the top of my head, because the show's called Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> you can still call it Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we can talk. We can change it to walnuts. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, and that's the beauty of the whole thing is like, of course, now it's almost so long now that Wally looks way old. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's old, old. I saw yeah. a uh, at my lunch today when I was doing a little research. Uh, he he does look very old. I, I listened to the Rupachable of the Godfather when I was driving home, and first of all, what a great pod. Yeah, well, yeah, unbelievable. Which pod? You were watchables. So, so Bill Simmons. It's oh, Bill okay. Simmons' movie thing, and what they do is they take an episode and then they they just kind of do what we did here, but in a lot better quality of format. I wouldn't say that. I think it's been great. Oh, it's they you can you can tell. Well, first of all, they have a format of way they dissect them, so which helps, which would have helped this, but um, everyone is they spend weeks. Doing homework, you can tell. They come, they bring it. But um, I really liked um, a couple different things through that Godfather pod. I mean, it was just really well done. Side, okay. side note, who is your favorite secondary character of Sopranos? Well, I, I mean, it's either Hesh or Artie. I mean, I, I just kind of... Talked about them both in my top five. So. I think Julianne Margulies' character 
You know, the realtor. I did think about as a favorite character, um, the Gloria. <laughs> She'd be good. Yeah. Or like, I mean, the one-legged Russian. <laughs> I was just thinking about her. <laughs> yep. She's a good one. So like, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I know that people right now absolutely annoyed by us, but there's more to that for us. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, Steve Buscemi didn't get brought up today. Tonight, no, and his character was excellent. Yep, hundred percent agree. Um, and Uncle June got brought up a little bit, but I hated Uncle Junior. I never liked Uncle Junior. I don't like him now. I didn't like him then. I don't want to talk about. It. I purposely didn't bring up Uncle Junior. He was on my other list. He he was vital to the show. hundred percent. I agree. You had to have him, but he just annoyed the crap out of me. The sneaky good character who didn't always get a ton of airtime was Agent Harris. Yeah, you're right. Because I tell you what, they don't find Phil Leotardo without the help of Agent Harris. Agent Harris is, uh, you're right. Agent Harris was a great, great character. He celebrated when he found out that Phil Leotardo was killed. Like, yes, he did. Yes, and he gave himself up. Yes, she did. I mean, yes, and shit. <laughs> so much. Alrighty, so if you haven't watched this pronouns, I suggest you do. Um, and if I were you, what I would do is I would get HBO now in February. And then what I would do is I'd spend February watching Sopranos. That way, and get through it, maybe watch a movie or two. And that way, when Game of Thrones comes on, you're all set to go for HBO app. It's also, and the Brad. whole series right now is on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. The yeah. Soprano series. Usually the HBO shows are on Amazon Prime too. Some of them. Game of Thrones is not. No. I mean, it's a select few, but yeah. There's still high quality shows. The Warriors on there. Boardwalk Empire is on there too. It's a good one. Thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. We'll come back and wrap it up. Thanks for coming. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap it up. I'd like to thank you, Matt, for coming. Thank you so much for having me. You know how much I love you guys and how much I love Sopranos. So I thank you guys so much. We have a family member coming here next week. Jordan Susowitz. Oh, really? I mean, for those of you, shirt tail for you. Still family. Yep. Um, he's going to talk about all the awesome stuff he's doing. So He's doing a lot. Yep. And I told him, him. Um, last time that we were going to have him on to just kind of really deep dive in everything he's doing. So um, <clears throat> I've had a, I've talked to him a handful of times over the past month. And wow, he's been on a roller coaster. So yep. um, it'll be a good pod. Um, and then I know I'm working on a couple. So there'll be a, one's a surprise for Brad. So we'll just keep we'll picking pick away at it. What's a surprise for me? Yeah, surprise guest. We haven't had a really true surprise guest other than Dylan and Nick coming for the, the so walls. I won't know who it is until they show up at my door. Yes. Right. 
And then, um, the, what are you doing this weekend? Uh, we are taking the boys to Dinosaur Gardens for their winter walkthrough. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to breakfast at Connie's Cafe first, where they're going to do dinosaur pancakes and have dinosaurs serving breakfast. I've seen the dinosaur already. It's I have too. Super cool. That thing is wicked awesome. Yep. And then we're going to go down to Dinosaur Gardens and walk around. And I gave the boys tonight uh, <clears throat> clues as to where they're going. And I told them, and we're going to CC's first, and then we're going to DG's. And they both looked at me and said, Gigi's house? And I said, no, DG. And then Henry must have said Detroit Zoo ten times, so we have to work on the alphabet. But uh, they have no idea. I'm sure Owen is going to have uh, a moment where he realizes what it is. But right now they have no clue. So you're going to blindfold them, so and you go buy DGs to get the CCs. Yes. Okay. Yeah, or we're gonna say, look at the deer in the field as we whiz by. Hopefully, that holds their attention long enough. What about what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I don't have much planned. It's gonna be another lazy weekend. Maybe finish watching uh, Mr. Robot the third season, and then maybe start binging The Sopranos. How about you say, I'm gonna find me a lady. Or a nice woman. Or a nice woman. Or Anyways, somebody. So, um, i got to do something this weekend. You want to come with us to Dinosaur Gardens? Probably not. I appreciate the offer, though. So, um, I don't know. Justin's going. Griffin's going. Like, I hope there's people going to that. So, that's awesome. Just come with us. Then. So, um, but yeah. So, I, uh, high chance I'll be going out of town. I don't know. So... I'll be honest, there's a chance Charlie Yerkes might be coming to town this weekend. So if that no happens. No way. Yeah. Oh my. There, there, that is loosely in the plan still. So I'm kind of, if Charlie doesn't come to town, I'm leaving town. I was supposed to go out of town, but then Charlie's like, hey, I'm thinking about coming up. So then I was like, oh, well, everything stops. If you're coming up, then I'll change my plans. So. When was the last time he was here? Yerkes? Oh, you and I were roommates. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's right. Yep. So, all right. So, thank you for coming by. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Yep.